on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. Ended up having a personality conflict with one of the guys. Um, in fact, what happened was I was uh, walking through the airport in Indianapolis in the summer of 2016, and my phone rings. And it's one of my partners, guy that sold to me. And he says, hey, why did XYZ PE firm, which is our backer, which is my backer, why did they just invest in our biggest competitor? What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. I've got a king on the stage today, Bob Hill. Thank you for being here, good sir. Welcome. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, appreciate you. We were just talking um, a little bit about the language of warrior, king, sage, and uh, you've got an incredible story of success and some trying times as well. We were kind of just touching base on that a little bit, but uh, I can't wait for the listeners to be able to hear the story, but really just the energy that you've already brought here just in a few minutes we've been talking. Um, I know it's going to be contagious. So, Bob, tell us what kind of business that you have. Sure. My business right now, I'm the CEO of a company called Choice Financial Group, which is an insurance broker. Uh, we are probably, I don't know, 25 offices, New Hampshire to Florida. Uh, we do property casualty and employee benefits uh, insurance. We do personal lines and commercial lines as well. And my main job is to grow it via merger and acquisition. So I partner with other folks that want to sell their company. Yeah, I love that. And your background obviously is uh, deeply seated in insurance and you've had uh, the entrepreneurial journey um, uh, in and out of that. But uh, and we'll get to that story piece of it. But you've been in insurance long enough where you've been helping people um, for, for a long, long time in, in that way. I want to know for you, though, at this as we kind of before the record button hit was hit, we, we we're talking about this mature king or maybe even sage status. What's the why for you? What's the burning desire at this moment when you've already had so much success where you would mm -hmm. still take a CEO role Position. when you don't? Yeah. 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 And so I think, Chad, one of the things that's interesting that I was telling you just a second ago, I've been doing this role um, at Choice uh, for about 13 months as the CEO. I was initially um, an investor and a board member with the with the original founder when he sold the business to a private equity firm which is that's very prevalent in our industry sure um they asked me to join the company full-time and i said no and the reason i said no was because i had arrived at a point in my life where i was really content i was really comfortable i was consulting with four customers I had complete control of my life. So what is my why? Yeah. Um, as these guys at the PE firm started to become more and more, um, let's just say insistent, that um, <laughs> they really felt I was the right guy. And I went home and talked to my wife and prayed about it. And you know, I just turned 60 about a month ago. So I was 58 at the time. And my wife's like, look, there's our kids are by and large grown. We have one who's still in school. She's like, there's never been a better time for you to go out and to finish your career the way you wanted to. Yeah. And I'll come out, I'll come back and talk to that later. Yeah. Um, you know, my career had an interruption in 2017, which led me to become this mature king, sage, whatever you want to call it, uh, yeah. because I kind of dug into the mud. So my why is building finishing something 
that I started in 2009 in yeah. building my former company. And for me, that's pretty exciting. And the other thing that's really, really cool is um, the, I wouldn't say the majority, but about 40% of the folks that have partnered with us at Choice, um, who've you know, taken their insurance agency, sold it to us, they get cash and they get stock in our business and that stock can grow pretty exponentially. About 40% of them are under the age of 45. Well, and so I really jam on mentoring those guys as yeah. and girls as possible. And so that's part of my why. Yeah. Yeah. I love the double prong there. Um, I think that it uh, makes a lot of sense. I love the finish strong as well, because, um, you know, being a finisher, uh, is part of winning. Yeah. Um, I think that there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that are great starters. Yep. And that whole finishing piece, uh, <laughs> slips, slips away a lot, honestly. Totally. Um, th there's tenacity. There's real tenacity in business. And, and there's just a lot of open loops that entrepreneurs have, sometimes really big ones like you're talking about where, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you're going to get to here in your journey, but where you, you've, got a, you've got a really big loop to close here. But wow, what a – at the end of, of the whole deal, you're going to be able to say, whoa, yeah, I, I freaking did that. And, and that's really important for entrepreneurs because I remember 15 years ago when I started – the company I did before the one I'm in now, um, I did one of these, you know, online strength finder tests. Sure, yeah. And it said exactly what you just said, Chaz. It said, you are a great starter. You right. suck at finishing. And <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. But what I, so I really focused my attention this time around on what do I want, you know, the finishing to look like. And in yeah. my worldview, that's probably two to four years from now. So I have a very, very clear picture of what I want to do and the time frame I want to achieve it. I've been blessed because I've had some success financially, and so I have some uh, a safety net, if you will. Sure. So that's that's a big piece of, you know, but I also spent a ton of sleepless nights before that safety net right. came into a, a came into view. And I think that can be helpful to entrepreneurs as well. Yeah, there's and, and you say safety net, um, <clears throat> you know, and I don't want the listener to think all of a sudden that uh, there's now privilege. And then all this cool stuff that you get to do now is based on privilege, because obviously you earned it. The, the sure. reality is that this is how it works. Like, <laughs> if you didn't at your stage in the game, what were you doing? Um, right. And so so I think that that's a really actually important part for the listener to pay attention to is that as you're building, whether you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, it doesn't really matter. You're building towards something. Uh, it's optimization of sorts. And fulfillment, uh, whether that's your family or in, in a growing business or uh, blessing your community or a church, whatever, all of those things have a, have a cost, <laughs> like that's an actual right. dollar amount associated to it. Okay. And so, okay, you're after, you're after um, you know, like you said, financial success to a degree, but knowing how those, in, th those things impact others. But yes. Let's not be let's not be let's not be twisted here. It's like at some point you should tip the scale and go, wow, I've got plenty. That's the whole point. So well, that you could this do is all a really things. interesting <laughs> going back to your question a second ago about what was my why. One of the biggest challenges that I had in taking this current role was I kept hearing, you know, um, I truly believe, you know, the Lord telling me you have plenty. And so, and that was really important to me. And don't misunderstand me. It's not like I'm some jillionaire, sure. but you know, and it, 
that number, you know, you re remember 10 or 12 years ago, there was an ING commercial on TV where everyone was carrying their number around. Oh, sure. Like the big orange numbers. And the whole idea is how much do you need to retire, right? Exactly. And yeah. So that kind of motivated me back in those days to like, all right, three kids, great wife. What do I want to do with my life? And, you know, I had a, a picture in my mind of what retirement looked like. Yeah. And it was basically free from anxiety. And to me, that's the greatest thing that any of us as entrepreneurs can give our family, our spouse, and our community is yeah. if we're free from anxiety, we can help other people. And it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And that that gift um, of, you know, stress-free or or just really a, a, an exceptional life is probably um, a great way to say it as well. But that can be given, you know, and I'm encouraging the listener by saying this, that, that can be given early on. Yes. You as the entrepreneur, even in the midst of the stress can, can have it. But what I'm really saying is as the entrepreneur you're building, like there, there is a period of time where you've kind of got to just, you know, head down and go. And yep. maybe there is some anxious moments and where you're, yep. you're, you're, you're really stressed. But but you're doing that. It's almost like I picture like myself and I'm like protecting all of the things from wife and children. Yep. They get to live this blissful life. Yeah. And I'm over yep. here with this big old shield, you know. Yeah. hundred percent. And ideally, like what you're saying is that I don't always have to be um, the one taking the, the shots, um, but that's OK, too, for a period of time. Um, mm hmm. That's it part is. of the journey. I want to know. Um, I want to know a little bit about your journey. So you, you've, sure. you've started multiple companies. You've been in the insurance game forever. Tell sure. us a little bit from you know before and sure. how you got to where you are. Sure. So um, it's funny. I literally just did this with a potential seller like an hour and a half ago. So it's fresh in my mind. Um, I've my journey starts in Chicago, Illinois, outside of the city. Um, my dad was an insurance guy. Uh, I was the fourth of four kids, the only only son. And by the time I graduated from college, I went to Drake in Des Moines, Iowa. When I graduated, my dad had, had fulfilled his dream and bought his own insurance agency. And I didn't want to go to work for him. Uh, I, you know, I loved my dad. Uh, he was a great guy, a huge mentor to me. And which, you know, kind of drips through a lot of entrepreneurism. Sure. Um, but I wanted to go do something else. So I got a job with a very large company selling fax machines, which back in those days, that was cool. <laughs> that um, was, yeah. And then my mom and dad came out to graduation. And my dad said, look, I'm so proud of you. You've done this. He said, but if you have any interest whatsoever in my industry, um, I've been able to arrange an internship for you in London at Lloyd's of London which was the birthplace of insurance. I was like, wow, London, insurance, Iowa fax machines. I yeah. London. <laughs> and what I learned in those six months, um, this is late 1985 and early 1986, is my business is a relationship business. Yeah. And I'm pretty good at that. I'm, yeah. I learned really quickly that. And so back in those days at Lloyd's of London, you, there was no internet, there was no email. If you wanted something done, you had to go into this huge room, which, which was called the underwriting room. You had to find the particular guy or girl that did your line of business, and you had to stand in line. You had to queue up to see that person. And if you BS'd that person, if they asked you a question and you BS'd them, you couldn't come back and see them. You were banned. So I learned really quickly about a lot of things. Yeah. So then the fast forward is came back to Chicago for a couple of years. 
moved down here to Richmond, uh, Virginia, where I'm based, where my father had moved and done a leveraged buyout of a company. Okay. And I went to work for my dad. Um, company was publicly held on the NASDAQ exchange. Wow. Uh, couldn't do it today. It was they went public at thirty million in revenue, um, and we had a great business. I built a book of business. I really enjoyed it, um, but I always had this nagging feeling that I'm only. My dad was Bob Hilb, and so I always had this feeling that you know I was getting things because I was his son, sure. and if I did something well, it was because I was his son. If I did something poorly, now a lot of that was in my own head. Yep, but. That was powerful to me. Yeah, that's the story. Dad retires in 97. I left the company in 2000 for a whole variety of reasons. Great people. Just, I just needed to do something else. So I went out and I bought, um, in 2001, uh, I bought two industrial supply businesses. So totally out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Totally, you know, I didn't know a damn thing about it, but I was betting on myself. And one of them turned out pretty good. One of them, Chaz, was an absolute disaster. Um, And basically what I learned in that period of time was I learned how to actually run a business. Mm. I learned how to manage cash flow. I learned how to, you know, project. And I learned how to manage people because I really hadn't done that. And so... If we hadn't had the downturn of 08, 09, which some of your listeners may remember, um, that was devastating in my industry, which was mostly manufacturing. So I I had to shut one of my businesses down, which was a heartbreaker. I took on over a million dollars in debt um, that I was personally guaranteed on, and I didn't have a million dollars. And then I sold the other business. And so then during all of that period of time, I decided, okay, I'm going to get back into what I know, which is the insurance business. And that's when I launched this company called the Hilb Group, which today is oh, $550 million of annual revenue. Um, and I took it from zero to $150 million, and I'll tell you that story later. Um, and I had a great experience, uh, learned a ton. Um, I was shocked in those early days when people were actually entrusting their future with me. Cause I felt yeah. like a fraud in those early days. Yeah. And that was a really big thing for me. Company started really clicking on all cylinders. Um, I had a separation from that company in 2017, which I'll give you more details on in a minute. And then I was sort of 2017, I was 54 and I was like, okay, what am I going to do? I had a non-compete, couldn't do anything for a year. And then that old company sold in 2019. And I made the decision to to liquidate. And so then I kind of was like, okay, I'm done. I'm great. You know, thank you, Lord. And then this opportunity came along about two months after the company sold. I was doing some consulting. And the fellow that started Choice called me and said, Hey, I've heard your name. I'm trying to do some acquisitions. Can you help me? And here we are today. So a really interesting for me uh, story uh, because it's got, like all of us, it's got highs and lows. Yeah. There's several things I want to dig into. Uh, I want to get into your, the, the, the growth piece here in a second, but I want to go back to what you said as far as like your why now is the finishing piece. 
because some people might have heard your story just now and been like, okay, well, you built a $150 million company after, you know, having some menial success, uh, some failures, and then boom, you hit the, the, the jackpot and, and that company sold out and, you know, you had your payout, right? What was there in your mind left to finish that you're doing now? Yeah, it's a good question. So what happened to me in that company, and as I said to you before we went live, um, I named that company after my father. Yeah. You know, so my dad was a big guy in the insurance business, and he was Bob Hilb also. So most my dad died three years ago at 93. He had a great run. Wow. But yeah. yeah, really, my mom's 95, still alive. Um, going to see her tonight, in fact. That's um, awesome. So I wanted to, my dad was always, I guess, frustrated when that company, his original company sold, the people that bought it changed the name. And that really bummed him out. So initially in 2009, I wanted to get his brand back into the industry. And candidly, it was was a lot of ego as well. Oh, sure. Um, Yeah, it's your name too. So what I saw was left to finish was the way my experience at that company ended. Yeah. So what happened to me is I realized pretty early on that I did, I was 46 when I started the Hill group. I didn't have enough runway in my opinion to build a company bootstrapped it and create the opportunity that I wanted to create for my family and for myself. Right. So I took on private equity and yeah. private equity is Terrific until it's not. And so so we had one partner from 2011 to 2015, and that was phenomenal, absolutely terrific. I'm still good friends with the guys in that firm. The second partner uh, turned out to be just fine, but I ended up having a personality conflict with one of the guys. Um, In fact, what happened was I was... Uh, walking through the airport in Indianapolis in the summer of 2016, and my phone rings. And it's one of my partners, guy that sold to me. And he says, hey, why did XYZ PE firm, which is our backer, which is my backer, mm-hmm. why did they just invest in our biggest competitor? Now, mm-hmm. when you're buying insurance agencies and you're owned by private equity, today there's about 30 of us out there. Back in 2016, there were maybe 15 of us. So that was kind of a big deal. And my response to my guy was, well, there's no way that happened because they would have called me and told me. So I called my guy at the firm Mm -hmm. and he said, oh, yeah, my boss was supposed to call you. And so his boss gets on the phone and Chaz, I expressed my dismay by using a word that starts with mother. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And I said, look, man, I don't give a darn that you invested. I care that you didn't tell me. Yeah. And eight months later, that guy fired me. And you know, company was doing well. It was doing fine. I was the second largest shareholder. And, uh, you know, he just, you know, couldn't get his head around sort of some of the stuff that had happened. And at the time, this is all goes back to why I want to finish. Yeah. At the time... That was probably the worst thing that had ever happened to me. Yeah. Uh, and, and I say that a little bit tongue-in-cheek today because now I realize that's no big deal, right? That could happen to me today right now. I'd be like, okay, great, see ya. But back then, 
I had so much of my um, personal net worth, not financial, mental. Yeah, yeah your value. Worth, right. Tied up. And I'll never forget my wife. I've been married to my wife, Kelly, for almost 33 years. And she's magnificent. And I came in the door and I knew it was going to happen. So I had figured out it was going to happen. And it was 4.30 on whatever, Tuesday. And I came in the door at 1 o'clock. I'm like, I'm getting, I'm getting fired. And she goes, oh, my gosh, that's fantastic. She was so happy. And I was like, I was like wait a minute. Wait a second. I don't think you get this. You know, and so the point of the whole story was I got fired. I've, like I told you before we jumped on, I kind of fell into this really deep depression. I mean, I was really just couldn't figure it out. And I had people from the company calling me and saying, you know, I can't believe this happened, you yeah. know, and they brought in a really, really, the PE guys brought in a brilliant financial guy and he did a great job taking the company forward and he's still running the business today. So I don't know the guy, but he's clearly brilliant. Yeah. And, but I, I was that relationship guy. So I kept, yeah. my phone kept ringing nonstop for probably five or six days people in the firm calling me saying, I sold to you. And so I made the, the process of building that company very personal. Right. And so what I wanted to finish was the reason I jumped back in was that opportunity to, even though I don't, I don't need it any longer, there's something exciting about the ability to say, yeah, I was pretty good at this and I want to be able to prove to myself, my kids, yeah. Um, that I could do it. So yeah. that's very long winded, but I hope it makes sense. Yeah, it's it's a great story. I appreciate you sharing all the details. I, I sure. think that the listener can pull so much from that. Not only if they're early on in their stage of building a business or uh, building a legacy even, because that's really what we're talking about here. We're talking about you finishing your legacy in the insurance world or possibly even finishing your dad's legacy and like you sure. guys together. Yeah. Um, this is really powerful stuff that moves people. And when I say people, I mean entrepreneurs because we do crazy stuff. <laughs> we do. We do crazy stuff. And most people look at us as like, it's unrelatable. You're intense. Why would you do that? Um, because we're motivated by things like this. And um, well, if, if, if not us, who? Not, someone that's not motivated the way entrepreneurs are would have just said, okay, that's fine. Go ahead and go ahead and invest in my competitor. I'm not going to complain. And there's nothing wrong with that. There really yeah. isn't. But yeah. the thing that drives us as, as entrepreneurs is the belief in ourselves, the belief right. that we can create something different. Yeah. And hopefully that something different improves people's lives. And yeah. I just felt very passionately about that. In the scaling process of zero mm -hmm. to 150 million, I mean, holy mm -hmm. geez, what was one good decision that mm -hmm. you would look back on and go, I would do this one thing over and over and over again? Sure, sure. I think the number one good decision I made was I really tried to understand. I spent a lot of time trying to get in the head of the person or people selling. So numbers, financials can tell you one thing, but this is again, pre-COVID, right? So back in those days, we did all of our meetings face-to-face -face when there's, so there's a whole world of investment bankers 
that just do the insurance brokerage industry. Right. So as I was scaling up the company, I was blessed because they knew the name. They knew my dad's name. And so I would get people calling me saying, hey, I hear you got PE, da 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 So the thing that I would do over and over and over again, and this was frustrating to private equity, but I really focused my attention on, is this person going to be a good fit? Is he or she going to really buy into our culture? I'll give you one really interesting example. Yeah, speak to So, you know, one of the things that we did that I would do over and over again, and I'm doing it right now at my business, is everyone that sells sold to us at that company and at Choice, we all become, a, we all become shareholders in the holding company. Right. And so that shares the wealth, right? Yep. Really, really vitally important that the wealth is not concentrated just among my leadership team. So I want everyone to, not everyone, but all the sellers to have a, a, a piece of the pie. Yeah. And when I would run into a struggle with one of my folks who, for example, I, one guy um, was growing exponentially and he overhired. He probably brought in six people too many. And all of a sudden, his earnings, his EBITDA, kind of mm -hmm. went like this, and then it started to go down. And, and he was very, very resistant to shedding these people. So I called him. I'm like, hey, I got to come see you. So I flew up to where he was. I sat down with him, and I had this whole little spreadsheet worked out where I showed him how many shares of stock he owned, how many shares of stock we had in the company, and how the fact that he had over he had overhired by $350,000 and was reducing his EBITDA, what that impacted the stock price. And yeah. I broke it down to him personally. And yeah. he was like, oh, this makes perfect sense. And he went out and got rid of the people. He didn't like it, but he had to do it. Yeah. yeah. So that personal touch and making everyone shareholders, that's yeah. one thing I would do over and over and over again. Hey, kings and queens, Chaz Wolf. I want to talk to you about something that's super important to me. We put a lot of time and effort, we meaning myself and my team, into this podcast, into the content that goes out every single day. And if you have been getting any sort of value or insight from this, we want it to be able to reach other business owners too. So we would love if you would like, comment, share, leave a review, post, share again, <laughs> all of the things on social media, on all the different platforms or even on the podcast mediums of Apple and Spotify. We would love to be able to get our content into more hands, more entrepreneurs, so they can grow their business as quick as possible. Together, we are building a community of like-minded entrepreneurs who are committed to growing their businesses to new heights. So let's do this. Let's help each other. Let's help each other grow. Yeah, and that, that piece right there that you just mentioned, it's the touch, but then also what you were able to do through that personal touch is communicate on a completely different level right? with someone who was resistant, probably a little ego driven, probably just yep. didn't understand, um, which I mean, how, I'm just thinking of myself and the listeners right now. How many times have you had an employee, a partner, a strategic partner, you know, somebody who just is just doing their thing and there's just yep. a gap in communication. That's and right. because you haven't made it personal, because you haven't like been genuine, <laughs> you can't cross this huge chasm, but it's actually not. It's actually really not that big. You just haven't done the work to cross it. Would you agree with That's this? Right. Hundred percent, and I think that is, in my opinion, that's one of the biggest keys of success is being able. You know, before when I was doing my old company, 
this is one of the really cool things that the struggle I went through. When I was doing my old company, I was terrified, terrified of having a difficult conversation with one of my people because I wanted them all to like me. That was sure. my most, and that's still important, right? We all want to be yeah. liked, right? Yeah. But yeah. now I really care a whole lot less about that right. because what I'm here to do, and I tell people in this current business this all the time, I will always do what is right for the shareholders and we're all shareholders. And so if we all row in the same direction, we'll have success and yeah. you can break that down. You don't have to have like I do a hundred and something shareholders. You can break that down in a business where you have two shareholders yep. or you can break that down when you are struggling with a client or a vendor or one of your employees. That's it's right. just the ability to wade into that uncomfortable space and sit down and be able to say to someone, hey, this isn't working. Here's why it's not working from my point of view. What's your opinion? Yeah. And I, I, I have found it's really vital to, as my wife says, talk less. You know, what is it from Hamilton? Talk less, smile more. Yeah. Um, and so that's one yeah. of the things I've been really, really blessed with in the last couple of years. Talk a lot less, listen a lot more. Yeah, it, this is a, a fairly, you know, regular thing for somebody who is blessed with the gift of tongue and uh, the ability <laughs> to persuade and communicate. Yeah. Um, but it's it's the opposite for the guy who isn't blessed with that. He he typically has a better um, maybe maybe natural inclination to listen. Mm -hmm. The thing I heard that you just said that I want to dig into is that you care less now about what other people think, and we all say this. Mm -hmm. It's like super cliche. Don't care what other people think. But we all do, but but we all try not to. And, you know, over the course of time, our perspective changes. And so for you, what changed specifically? Or was there a circumstance or some, something you can point to where you're like, yeah, at this point, I realized it really didn't matter that much. And it was like a light bulb. I think for me, one of the things that was really fascinating after I got fired in 2017 was the, the way I had and this is probably why I care a lot less today. I had made the guys and the girls on my leadership team, my friends. And when that, when I was obviously, they were told, don't talk to this guy anymore. Yeah. That was a huge pain in me. That was like, oh my gosh, what have I done? You know, for somebody that back in those days put so much emphasis on people liking me, that was a really hard thing. The blessing of that, Chaz, is all of a sudden, I always have been blessed, just like you know, my wife's, everyone loves my wife. And so we've got a lot of couple friends. But one of the things I really focused my attention on in the last six years is cultivate, cultivating my personal friendships. And that, you know, people not from the business world, Right. And that was really the key for me it was recognizing that number one, I had people who had been good friends for 25 years. They were so used to Hill being on the road all the time. And all of a sudden I'm home. And I was really just completely blessed by about four or five guys that just went out of their way and, you know, mentored me and helped me through. And so today, that's my number one thing uh, are my kids, my wife, my friend. Well, it's, I tell everyone when they try to come, 
when they're looking at choice as a partner, I said, we are, I'm really simple. It's faith, family, business. And I include friendships in, in the family. Yeah. And so if I get into a situation today where it goes against a lot of my um, faith beliefs and values, I won't do it. And that yeah. causes enormous challenges sometimes with some of my other leadership team members and some of my private equity guys. But I was very upfront with these guys before I ever took this job. I'm like, look, this is what's important to me. Now, I'm a capitalist. I want to make a profit. I want to do those things. But at the end of the day, there's a right way and a wrong way to treat people. Pretty simple. Yeah, yeah that's right. It's interesting because um, what you're saying is is it's so right. But I, I want to correlate it to not only um, why I started Gathering the Kings, but the position I, I was in before I started it was I, I was seeking people that I could be friendship in friendship with. And it's, it's funny as guys, we don't necessarily like we say friendship and it's like, it's kind of like a soft word, you know, I need yeah. encouragement or I need friends. And as a, like an intense business guy, it's like, uh, see, uh, nah, yeah. The, the reality of it is, is that we need community. That's really what it is. That's it's, right. we, I need another person to sometimes lock arms with, to challenge me, to encourage me, what, whatever the, the day might consist of. And so what I found is that those are important. Like what you're saying, the next level that for me of enlightenment was, okay, well, if I can have that type of relationship with someone who's like me at the same, that runs at the same pace, yep. maybe he's not in, in my business. And so that's where you and I are like, it's like, okay, yes. this, this mastermind member, he's not in my business. Mm -hmm. Um, we're not talking functionality day to day stuff mm -hmm. like we would if we were partners or if he was an employee, something like mm -hmm. that. But we still can talk the same language as high-performing achievers. Sure. And it was just like, okay, when I put those two together, it was like, yeah. oh, okay, I get this. Let because go. I got a fulfillment there that yeah. I didn't with my church buddies or yeah. my whatever. It's like it was good, but they just didn't operate at the same level. Mentally, physically, intense-wise, I just was like always like Chaz is just that crazy guy, you know? <laughs> but you start getting around other crazy guys – who also then can encourage you, challenge you, yep. you know, be in a friend, you know, at times it's like, whoa, that, that'll take you to a whole nother stratosphere of thought. hundred percent. And I would also advocate that as entrepreneurs, we never know the other entrepreneurs that need our support. And so yeah. one of the things right. that my separation in 2017 created margin and time for, um, was to mentor other younger entrepreneurs. And I've got a group of two or three guys and girls that I have been really, really blessed to spend time as they grow their businesses. Exactly what you're just saying. Not in my business at all. Yeah. But, you know, I've got a little bit of gray hair. And so I have, the, I have some war wounds and I'm able to kind of say, hey, this is really important. This is what worked for me. Yeah. And um, that's, gosh, that's just a huge, huge blessing. Yeah, that'll keep you fired up. We've got uh, a yeah. member of Gathering the Kings who also has a very large business, three or four hundred million, and wow. um, his his perspective it was interesting because you know um, we don't we don't um, it's very much like a like a, hey if we're like minded here cool if not like super no big deal 
um, because I'm just like all about rich and raw like moments. And that can't happen if we're like forced into a situation. And so anyway, his, his, his response was, look, man, whether it's the guy that just crossed over a million or a guy that's doing 30 million, those guys are like in the heat of battle. And I need to be reminded sometimes of the things that I've even taught other people, Mm -hmm. but hearing them go through it is really encouraging to me because even at this level, there's just, you know, battles or, or strategic moves being made. And again, it's a rising tide raises all ships. And so I think what you're saying, very similar to what, what uh, this guy's saying, it's like, look, it doesn't really matter the revenue marker. Actually, it does a little bit because there's certain conversations happening at certain sure. breakpoints. But the reality of it is, is that we need each other. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, one of the other just sort of a tangential comment about this, one of the greatest blessings for me has been my ability to, I'll never forget this, gosh, 30-something years ago, uh, I was going through some personal stuff, and I was working for my dad, and my dad made the comment, and back in those days, when you went into the office building where we were, you parked your car, you went in the back door, and you walked up the stairs to the office. I remember my dad saying, you got to leave your crap at the door and you, when yeah. you walk in. So what's the flip side of that? You come home, you walk out the door, you pick up your crap and you bring it home with you. Mm-hmm. And that's bad. That's yeah. just that we all struggle with it. Right. Yeah. And so one of the greatest things that I have been blessed with in the last five or six years, especially the last two years doing this is I don't bring this stuff home anymore. I'm, I try really, really hard to be present, to listen and I think that's so hard for us as entrepreneurs because we yeah. want success. And it's you know, one of the things that's interesting, and again, I give my wife all the credit to this. My wife got very passionate around, especially when our two, now our kids are 28, 26, and 21. So you dial it back seven years. I'm still running the old company, and I would constantly have my phone with me all the time. And because I felt like, oh, my gosh, I have to be right there. And my wife was like, look, man, you have got to park your phone when you come in the door. And so we've been doing that for five or six years. And we've been pretty, pretty adamant with our kids that, hey, you know, look, I get it. You're that generation. But like we're we were all at the beach uh, for two weeks, a couple weeks ago. And we got this this thing called an arrow. It's like a box. Okay. And you, it has like the little, you, you, and you can stick your phones in there and you don't hear them. You don't, even if they're on, you know, vibrate. Uh-huh. And we make every day a couple of hours for arrow and everyone's off their screen. You're talking and you're playing games. And yeah. so that stuff is important as well. I know that's not yeah. where you were going, but I just oh. wanted to. Yeah, super rich. Um, let's just transition right into that because sure. I think family uh, makes a big difference uh, to the success of an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we if we bring our crap home or mm-hmm. don't know how to deal with it, that's really a better uh, perspective is how to deal with it so that you you don't have to bring it anywhere. <laughs> right. Um, my my question is this: we we obsess clearly, like that's what you have done. You have done it so so well in the business world. But I want to know some practicals that you can share with the listeners of ways that you've obsessed over the family. You kind of gave us one now that you're doing like with the phones and stuff. But mm-hmm. maybe through those those coming up years where it was harder, maybe when you weren't that good at it. Yeah. What did you do then that still made an impact on the kids and even in your marriage? Yeah. Yeah. So um, 
couple things. I promised, so long story, when I was much younger and my kids were much younger, I would travel all the time. And when my daughter, who was about to turn 26, was two, I remember vividly you know, packing my, this is before roller bags, so I'm packing my hanging bag and my little daughter walks in and goes, oh, daddy never home. And that just cut me. And that was part of the reason I exited the insurance business the first time. Sure. So when I, so when I, to answer your question, when I got back into it in 2009, my kids were 14, 12, and seven. And I made a commitment to my wife that I would never be gone on the road for more than two nights. And by and large, I stuck to that. So that was number one. The second thing I did was my kids were involved in sports, you know, lacrosse, field hockey, stuff like that. And I put those games on my calendar, and that was pretty much a viol you know, inviolate. So I was going to be in the stands supporting my kids. Now, did I make everyone? No. But I was able to be there to you know, support my kids and build that community. We talk yeah. about how important it is to have communities. So yeah. those are the... Those are the couple of things that I did, you know, 15 years ago that I think is why I have a pretty decent relationship with you know, my kids and certainly why the marriage is still is still here. You know, my yeah. wife was candidly frustrated with me traveling all the time and sure. bringing so much work home. So yeah. um, being able to divorce from that a little bit was, was important. Yeah. Yeah. I think that uh, we well, every entrepreneur. Uh, on the male side, <laughs> right. if we're being honest, we've had that same conversation. Um, and probably for the female side too, if, if you're, if they're running a, a ship, but it, it always feels maybe a little bit different. Um, the one thing that you just said in there, um, that was really powerful is just that your ability to, um, I guess, let something impactful actually cause change. You know, and so there's just a lot of times where entrepreneurs, we, we learn something, maybe they're even listening to this podcast and like, Oh, that was really good that Bob said, blah, blah, blah. And then whew, we never implement it. It just, it right. just, it was, it was good in the moment. It sounded great, made us feel good. And then nothing. Right. But what I heard you say is that there were certain circumstances you know, your daughter, the conversations with your wife, those things along the way, sometimes it takes more than one time, but you know, we, we get it eventually. And what you did is you're like, no, 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 like this is actually now important to me. I'm going to start putting parameters in place to safeguard what, what I'm saying is important to me. Um, yeah. I noticed the same thing as like, I was saying my family was important, but it wasn't on my calendar. Right. And so what was on my calendar was work, you know? Right. And it's like, well, how, okay, <laughs> wait a second. Let's at least make them equal, you know, right. um, at least put them both on the calendar. Right. Well, um, and obviously there's a lot of growth to go from there. <laughs> There is, but I think if we are, especially, and I can only speak to my journey as a dude, right? So, you know, in the, in my relationship in life, right? You know, the Lord has blessed me with a great wife and three great kids. My number one job has been to raise my children with my wife at my side. And we are partners in that into functional adults, right? And that's, right. and so, but part of that is them knowing and feeling and seeing that mom and dad love them and they are here to support you. So that was important to me. And candidly, no disrespect to my late father, my dad came from a generation that that wasn't important. That was right. not a thing for him. Yeah. And, you know, 
he played golf Saturday and Sunday. But one of my fondest memories, which my siblings don't have, is by the time I was seven or eight, he would come home Sunday afternoon. He'd grab me. We'd go back out for nine more holes. And so, so much of my young life was formed by asking him questions during those two hours every Sunday. And so I tried to be pretty intentional when my boys were younger. Uh, my daughter's never really taken to the game. She'll say she is, but she's not. Um, but so the boys and I played a lot of golf and spent a lot of time. And whether it's golf or fly fishing or whatever your thing is, you got to be intentional about making time for your kids. And that is a hard thing because at least from my perspective, I would be so exhausted. You know, the grind of growing and running a business. And I'd be just like, oh, just leave me alone. And, you know, it caused some challenges with my wife and I in the early days, you know, when our kids were little. Yeah. And, um, but I'm really glad I did. I'm really glad I did that. Because um, now it's, it, you know, it's not that everything's perfect because no one's life ever is. But um, I think if we as entrepreneurs can disconnect a little bit, the other thing I've started doing, um, even with this new job, is making time for my wife and I to travel, to be together, to yeah. go and do things where it's just the two of us for 10 days. And um, much to the chagrin of my current PE partners, who are great guys, you know, when I do that, I disconnect. And I tell them I'm going to be out of the office. Now, they don't like that, but that's... Yeah, that's, I was very, and I'm obviously in a different position, right? Sure, yeah. Older, not everyone can do that. But I saw from my own experience, you know, I can't tell you the number of calls I made from the beach in 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16, because the PE guys don't, you know, their job is to create return for their investors. And I get that. And so I'm just trying to find that balance. And yeah. so it's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I appreciate all that you've shared. I think there's really uh, helpful practicals in there. What about a business resource um, that you can share? Business book, um, an event that you've been to, a podcast, something like that. Yeah. So a couple things. Number one, um, my dad gave me a book called The E-Myth. Um, so E-Myth, work, work on the business, not in the business. Yeah. That was really helpful. And then the other thing I have found is, you know, there are so, I try, and this is just local grassroots, I try to find other entrepreneurs that I can have coffee with, go to lunch with, play golf with. Um, I had a group of guys, it's funny, um, I had these three guys who are dear, dear friends. In fact, we, we leave to go to Scotland for 10 days to play golf next Tuesday. Nice. And 15 years ago, we all owned our own businesses and we played golf every single Thursday afternoon. And number one, it was the ability to blow some steam off. But number two, we'd sit around afterwards having a drink, talking about the challenges we had. And you, you realize, really, so that peer group, yeah. finding a peer group. So those are the two things I would say, you know. You, the E-Myth is a brilliant book, and there's a gajillion yeah. business books. That one resonated to me. And then finding that peer group, um, you know, it's funny. Uh, 
one of my good friends who is a who is a competitor of mine. Um, uh, he's you know in the Midwest. I'm here. We talk probably once a month, and he calls me his his conciliary, right? Because he's like he's like you're the one. He's a he's a majority shareholder, right? He doesn't have outside capital, and he can call me and say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. So peer groups are really important. Um, yeah. So those are the two takeaways I would say. Yeah, those are very very important. Obviously, a big part of that second piece is why Gathering the Kings exists. Uh, that moment for entrepreneurs, <clears throat> even our own clients, where they've gotten into a room and they hear what goes around the table and they're like, oh, you're dealing with the same. Got it. Okay. Yeah. This like. Pfft. Oh, and I was in um, I was in a peer, a CEO forum yep. from probably 04 to 12. And it was so, it was the same group of guys and girls, you know, yep. great fella that led it. And, you know, I go back to what I said a few minutes ago. I, I back in those days, I, I always wanted everyone to love me, right? And sure. so I had this one particular employee, this is when I owned my industrial supply companies, who was a brilliant, great, productive guy, but he was a real pain in the ass when it comes to financial things. And so I'd come in and it got to the point where after the third year, I'd bring this guy up again and they all, all these peers will be like, help. We've already talked about this. <laughs> you do this, 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 and this. Yeah. And, you know, it was so true. really helpful. Yeah. The, actually what you just described is, is, is community. It's like they, they, yes loved you even though you were being stubborn and you weren't doing what you needed to do right but yet challenged you enough to say hey well okay enough is enough yeah. <laughs> we've heard yeah. you complain about this long enough uh either change it or or shut up um yeah. and and that's really what it comes down to in business is change it or, or move on like uh because i don't want to hear it any longer um but there's got to be space initially space is created by relationship like you said originally so that's right uh, all right. these things are, are super powerful. I've got one last question for you here, sure. Bob. I want to know if you had the opportunity to reach back in time and whisper to the younger Bob, <laughs> what would you tell? Yeah, it's a really great question. Um, I tell this story all the time. And the answer is I would listen to my gut more frequently. Okay. Um, and I'll give you a very specific example. The fella that fired me in 2017 we were doing um we were selling the company to his the firm that he was involved with in 2015. and at the time i was a classic entrepreneur Chaz. i had been working my tail off but i had a hundred thousand dollars in credit card debt um i was barely scraping by and i had this deal that was going to give me some money i was going to reinvest most of it and i was going to but i was going to be able to take enough off the table to pay off my debt and have a little bit left over. Swear to God, my wife tells the story, it's so funny. I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm absolutely screaming because <laughs> I'm having this dream where a snake is chasing me and the head of the snake was the dude that ended up firing me two and a half years later. Wow. I believe passionately, that was my subconscious trying to tell me, you're making the wrong decision, Bob. Don't do the you're, deal. Yeah, and I should have listened. Um, in retrospect, it is what it is, but so many of us don't pay attention 
to that voice in our head. And whether that's my subconscious, whether that's the Lord, whatever it was, yeah. I pay a lot more attention to that now than I yeah. did then. Yeah, that's good. I loved uh, the the opportunity or space that you gave to that because sometimes it is the subconscious, sometimes it is uh, the Lord. And I think both of those have operated in me, so I can I can attest to both of those. Um, Bob, how can the listener find you? Number one, if they're an insurance agent uh, uh, right now and they want to become a partner or uh, they need insurance and they just want to call you up or one of your brokers somewhere, um, how can they reach you that way? Or if they just want to connect with you as an entrepreneur, where can they find you? Sure. So um, uh, there's a couple of ways. Uh, The go to choice.partners and you'll have a form there where you can reach out and connect with me. Um, and that'll get into me, um, you know, from the, from that perspective, that's I'm on LinkedIn. Um, and, uh, so those are probably the two best ways in my opinion. Yeah, that's great. We'll, we'll put all that in the show notes as well. Easy click for them to be able to find you, Bob, yep. um, King or Sage, whatever it is, uh, you've been incredible. Thank you for sharing the story. You. Thank you. Thanks. Appreciate that. Blessings to your friends, uh, your family, your business partners, you, thank you for being here, sir. Chaz, thank you. It's been a real pleasure. I've loved every minute of it, and uh, I'm really excited by being being a part of it. So thank you. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries, and now interviewing over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight, and nine-figure business owners, is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1,000 kings, specifically who are grateful but not done. We're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family, and communities. And here's what we believe, that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.